What's up, guys? Welcome back to uh, Director Showdown, uh, episode 10. Uh, this is Brent. And Adam. What's up, everybody? Hey, we're here talking, uh, yeah, the final episode. The final thread. The final thread. Of this season. Of I, this can't, se- I can't I can't. I know. I tried, to, I tried to plug in Phantom somewhere there. It didn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, we watched Phantom Thread, the final episode of the uh, PTA VQT mm-hmm. uh, season. QTA. No. P- QTA. QTA. Uh, I always Quentin get that. Tarantino Anderson. That um, yeah, uh, the final movie here uh, we watched today and ending on kind of a, a high note. And that's uh, kind of uh, big praise coming from that we've watched pretty much only fucking great movies for <laughs> this whole season. It's a nice change of pace. From uh, last season's uh, kind of shit fest that we had going. And uh, yeah, so we watched uh, PTA's 2000, super fucking recent, man, 2017. Yeah, 2017. uh, Romance film. Uh, romance thriller, kind of, in some regards. Gothic Gothic romance romance. thriller. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, As uh, Google puts it, a romance crime film. I what? saw that today when I searched it. And I was you didn't like, see this on. Obviously, you guys are yeah. listening uh-huh. via audio. You didn't see my like double take. Yeah, his active yeah. Uh, <laughs> shock when I yes. said that. Because yeah. um, I mean, are there crimes? Yes, but is that really kind it's of not what it's about? Yeah, it's not what it's about. There's no policeman. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's a there's a doctor. There's a doctor. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of like Munchausen going on in this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, I guess. Um, yeah. So, did you want to? Did you want to give like a brief like overview, maybe like without spoilers, or um, know, just go right? Uh, into no, it? I mean, let's just let's just get right into it. I mean, I, I do want to say if you're jumping in randomly on this episode, this is a podcast where Adam and I oh, yeah. uh, pit two directors against one another. Uh, we each pick one, kind of put their selected filmographies against one another, and uh, kind of uh, yeah, look at them against one another and see the strengths and uh, you know weaknesses. Um, that each of them have. And uh, this season is a little different because we pick directors that we both mm-hmm. love uh, as opposed to past seasons that have been a little different that, you know, you, you know, this is such a stupid tangent, but no, like, uh, that's all we got. Dog. That's us. <laughs> Every time you say a little different, mm-hmm. I always think of like the, the moonshine flight at, um, mashed. 
So fucking specific. Yeah. Like, like our, you imagine out. the waiter coming yeah. out. Yeah, shout out to MASH. MASH is a, a badass They're place. sponsoring us. That's the only reason why. I wish, I know, They're I like wish. 300 feet from where we're sitting right now. They're yeah. so close. 300 feet? Probably more than that. I don't know math. <laughs> I don't know distance. Uh, I'm a podcaster. I don't know any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I imagine a waitress coming up and being like, well, I, I don't know. Do you want something a little different? And then, like, it'd be like double speak because it's like, you're like, oh, yeah. And then she just like walks away, doesn't even explain like what what it is. (laughs) What it is. And then she brings you back this, yeah, this this flight. (laughs) You know, I'm going to extend this tangent by saying when I first went to Mashed and got a flight, I didn't realize that you're supposed to just sip on them. So, to give some context, guys, uh, when you get a what's called a flight at one of these like moonshine places, or I'm sure more places have what well, are you can get flights. like a beer flight too. Like that's yeah, a yeah, it's it's something that you're supposed to sip on and savor the taste. I a went sampler, yeah, a sampler, yeah. I went for the first time with my wife Amy, uh, and it was a, it was probably a couple years ago, I guess now. But I got the flight, and they brought these four little shot glasses for like with with moonshine mm-hmm. uh, in front of me. And I was like, I was kind of caught off guard. I was like, oh, fuck, man. This is, this is a lot. This is like, <laughs> this is heavy. So I pick the first one up. I take it as a shot. <laughs> I pick the next one up. I take it as a shot. And then I'm like, fuck, man, this is, this is a lot. This is, I'm going to be fucking shit-faced after mm-hmm. this. And it wasn't until I think you and I went for my second time that I realized, oh, you're just was supposed to the sip Infinity on War these. One? Yeah. That was probably the third. It was a time before that, I think. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Uh, that you're supposed to sip on them, and therefore you still get pretty tipsy off of them, but you're not going to get yeah, fucking what kind drunk. of What kind of maniac would just, like, give yeah. you four shots of liquor? That's what I thought it was, and man. And you're yeah. just supposed to knock them back like <laughs> you're fucking, like, 20, 21-year-old Exactly. I was like, oh, man, yeah, I'm, like, 19 you're just, again. Yeah, you're <laughs> looking to get, like, fucked in the ass yeah. by, like, a And I got fucking drunk, man. Yeah. Oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about all that, but, no, I was, like, I was oh, fucking drunk. Man. Like, Amy drove home because I I was like, I couldn't handle my shit. So uh, shout out to Mashed. It, it's really good. The moonshine there is very good. It's a great place. Great food, great drinks. Great so. drinks. And speaking of uh, consuming poisonous substances, <laughs> yeah. Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread is a movie about that a very... <laughs> a very... Almost a poisonous <laughs> relationship, you can say. Toxic. Toxic. You can what at least have say you. that. Yeah. Yes. About a very talented, high-end, um, what's the official word for, for him? Cotier? Um, Is that the... Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, my wife and I watch a lot of uh, Project Runway, and they call them designers in America, no. but that's pretty boring, yeah. Um, like a dressmaker, because it's specifically yeah. for women. He make, yeah, he, he makes specifically dresses, it seems, mm-hmm. you know. Um, seems. So, seems. That's another uh, you get a lot intended of sewing, pun. Sewing puns a lot of on sewing this pun. puns. Just fucking so, buckle up So here. what? <laughs> and if you're still listening, we're still talking <laughs> Phantom Thread. Uh, yeah. Are you um, really threaded the needle on... Ugh, so let's fucking stop that one. Let's, let's stop. We gotta stop doing that. It's... <laughs> you loved oh, it. Don't God. even fucking lie no, to me. No, that's pretty good. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you got a you got a good old uh, patented internet movie data boy uh, summary corner over there. Oh, I I can pull something up, but I was actually just like looking up like the actual term for. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, I mean, we guy. should probably figure that out first, so we don't sound Co- like uncultured swine on this. Okay, so it's uh, a a co- I can't pronounce it. Let me see. Cotier? Were you Is right? Is it Cotier? I think it's Cotier. For high sewing or high dressmaking or high fashion. Okay. Okay. That sounds so, like, okay. That's like yeah, what they Cotier, call it in right? Europe, I Probably. imagine. Yeah. Um, Cotore. Cotore. I don't Cot- think. Okay. I can. I see Cot- it in my head. I'm not looking see, at the computer, yeah. but Cot- Cotier. Yeah, I think it's Cotier. Yeah. Is it Cotier? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, that's probably what they called it until Canadians. America co-opted uh, that industry and then made it just kind of, you know, what it is now. Which yeah, is people so making don't watch fucking jeans and runway <laughs> is what you're saying. I guess not. But I mean, while we're on the topic, I do want to say that, like, um, I, I didn't think when when the trailer dropped for this movie, I was like very uninterested in the concept. I can see that. I I watched the trailer and I was like, man, this looks, I think I even remember texting you like, Hey, the trailer dropped for the new PTA. It looks really beautiful, but man, I'm really uninterested in seeing it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I, I don't know the, just the, the concept of that, like this, like period toxic masculinist. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't Um, like, there weren't explosions. Bruce Willis wasn't in it. I was not on board. So drag Bruce Willis's name to the ground. (laughs) He, or he did that himself. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's true. But he can he can have he can have like sweet range, like in um okay, yeah. Moon Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise like Kingdom. That's his character true. was like very sweet. That's I like true. I shouldn't address I should say like Jean Claude Van Damme, maybe. Yeah, it's like he's pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah, you see he's not doing any like art house romance films. Maybe that's like his entire like career yeah. is like this meta like commentary on masculinity. Oh shit! Because like he's like because another tangent, but like if you watch any of his films, there's like there's like subtext homosexuality in it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that because he's always like showing his ass off and like <laughs> yeah. doing like kind of like weirdly like yeah, like I don't know, gay things. Yeah, I even see though that. he's always like into that was kind women. of a thing yeah. in the '80s, though, right? Like yeah. you have your Top Gun, you have Roadhouse, which is a very homoerotic movie. Uh, we'll have to Gun, talk about that at some point. Yeah, huh? And Top Gun, of Top, course. Yeah, Top Gun yeah. is like the golden standard of homoerotic '80s action. All you gotta movies. do is watch that volleyball scene, and then <laughs> that's all I do watch when I watch that movie. <laughs> when you get <laughs> when you're when you're trying to get hot and bothered, you just pop in Top Gun. <laughs> exactly. And get um, get things going. Well. So this one is given to uh, this IMDb summary. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say the username because I think it's very interesting. Oh, okay. Because this one is Focus Features, actually. The, is the it like the official page? Well, it's on IMDb. And they okay. decided to give a summary oh. on Phantom Thread. Oh, so this is straight from the source. This is like studio But they created. read it. they wrote it in, into the IMDb page. Yeah, that's that's Which pretty is, interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen that before. So I'm expecting like high quality, concise, precise. Yeah, gold standard. Yeah, I am too. Shit. It'll probably be, uh, um, very spoiler free. It probably won't mention it's a lot of the stuff that happens. But yeah, dude, let's uh, let's hear it. 
Set in 1950s London, Reynolds Woodcock is a renowned dressmaker whose fastidious life is disrupted by a young, strong-willed woman, Alma, who becomes his muse and lover. I love the word, the use of the word fastidious. That's such a, uh, it's such a yeah. nice word yeah. that we just don't hear enough. We don't hear in the internet movie data boy corner, really. Well, yeah, you don't hear it from... Um, <laughs> What's the uh, Joe twenty eight or whatever the no, fuck? I can't remember any of the. No, the what I do remember is the Kill Bill one, like Bride. Yeah. Oh, was the Bride? The bride. It yeah, was just yeah, the Bride. The Bride's yeah. not writing that one up. Yeah, so it. And now. Oh, was, and then that that ends there. Like that's it. That's it. Well, okay, yeah. that's yeah. Like like what I thought. It's like very first act political. Uh, political. As in very... Oh, okay, you know. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like walking the line between, yeah, they don't want to tell you everything, mm-hmm. uh, where it goes. And then I think, speaking speaking to where the movie goes, that's what... I don't know, like, that's what made the movie really great to me and very unexpected. Like, when we... It's very unexpected. Mm-hmm. It's very unexpected. Um, yeah, the places that the movie goes, and because uh, I think when we saw it in theaters, I like, I think I leaned over to you and said, "Oh, so this is what's happening now." Yeah, I don't know if I. Actually said well, let's those. let's uh, <laughs> yeah, let's fuck it, dude. Historical context. Yeah. So this was actually earlier this year what? that we saw this because it didn't hit San. I, I don't think it hit San Antonio until January. Really? Yeah, because it, it, it wasn't on my oh, it wasn't shit, on my right. top 2018, yeah. 2017. That's right, list. but it's a 2017 and it been. movie. Um, so yeah, we saw it in like January. Adam and I went to see it. I went still to put see it on this. my 2017 list, though. I know. It's just I made my fucking list before I saw this. And you I was wrote really your little mad. article. And I know. It's solidified I it. Up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Adam and I went and saw this dressmaker romance movie together. And it was we're just uh, like, you know, it's PTA. What it's PTA has it failed us. We're not we're not going to see crazy rich Asians together. <laughs> Apparently it's like, a good movie. Apparently it is. Yeah. yeah um, I'm surprised. Go Asian people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only half enthusiastic. <laughs> oh, shit. About oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. Because um, I'm I'm putting on airs over here. Just saying yeah. like hey, <laughs> for all you listeners, um, I'm half Asian in case you couldn't tell I'm by my voice. White. Yes. <laughs> So we got. So I'm sorry. So 75 percent white here at Director Showdown. Yep. Just, just the way. No, it's just the way. <laughs> you know what I was going to say. Uh, we're fucking around, but um, yeah. So we went to see it, and it was great, man. Like, like I told you, Almo Draft House is where Draft we Draft House Park. Shout North. out to them. Good, good experience. Great theater. Um, I think I had nachos and a pizza. Damn, is it is that re, is it that recent that we can recall? I had a pizza I think, too. No, I I bought nachos for us to share. That's right. I think. Yeah, and, and then, I think I got a pizza. I at least yeah. had a beer. I always get a beer when I go. Mm-hmm. Probably a free tail. Um, but really building a setting yeah, here we, for people. We're trying to be PTA like, you know, yeah, really exactly. give some Just building a world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, this is. Uh, it was yeah. It, it I was gripped the entire time. Like. Mm-hmm. This is, I remember telling you when we walked out of the theater that this is the first PTA movie, at least that I've seen in theaters. So going back to like, there will be blood, the master, um, I guess that's it. But that I walked out of the theater having like being really a grasp, a grasp of having a grasp of the movie of what he intended and being really fulfilled by it Mm. because there will be blood in the master. We talked about on those episodes. I think, um, it, it didn't 
hit for me until later, until mm. after I saw the movie a second or third time. It's and like when the one those um, sneaky spicy sauces that like yeah. you know you, you think it's not Ex- a big deal, and then you go to shit the next morning and your whole day's ruined. <laughs> Except the in a op- good way. In a good way. <laughs> it's when you yeah go to shit and it's a good shit the next morning. Yeah. You know those good shits. That's uh, spicy. It's so worse for This um, is this metaphor is just oh yeah, it's, simile it's collapsing me. underneath us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we walked out and we were fucking like we were like high on this movie, man. It's mm-hmm. like it's the best. Uh, it's like it's such a good like cinematic experience going to like the draft house and seeing a great movie. Um, yeah, and last year yeah. was like a a good. Um, it was a good year. It was a good year for film, mm-hmm. and I thought Phantom Thread was just kind of like at the tail end, and it's like, yeah, you know, what, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be good, but nothing, uh, it's not going to break my yeah, top both ten of, or Both anything. of our expectations, right, yeah. were very kind of colored by the the uh, conceit mm-hmm. of the movie. Because I, I bumped that son of a bitch to number six on my 2017. It's really number six for you? Yeah, but the thing is like, I think that um, I say that thinking it'd be higher, right? Yeah, and it it when I look back at my 2017 picks, mm-hmm. it it's probably should be higher. It's okay. probably it, sh- it should be number two, honestly. But like, I guess it's Blade kind Runner, of, tough year. Well, yeah. what's what's higher? I'm I'm. Let's go on that tangent. Right? Okay, so I'll. Uh, do you want me to do from ten or? Just, well, I guess just do from six okay. up to one. Yeah. So six was Phantom Thread. Yeah. Five was three billboards outside Ebbing, mm. Missouri. Four okay. was uh, John Wick, chapter two, because... Fuck, dude. Well, that's hard to argue. And yeah. it's just... that That's there because... I mean, that's just like... That's just yeah. my boy. Yeah. That's like my, my genre. Like yeah. My fetish genre. That's... uh, Dude, I don't think you know that made I mean? my list, oddly enough, and I kind of hate that it didn't. You gave it an honorable mention. I honorable think, mention. I read. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I I respect that position. Yeah, Yeah. it's just like you give me Keanu Reeves guns and black suits with incredible choreography and visuals. Yeah, dude, you you got a good old. I mean, I I fully yeah, I fully understand. (laughs) I empathize with that. And then number three was Wind River because that's that's a great movie. Yeah, I respect that. And number two is Dunkirk, George. Yeah, George. Dunkirk. (laughs) We're going to water, George. And yeah, what's your uh, what's your number? Well, the, I guess number one number is, one is obviously Blade Runner twenty four nine, and I don't think that's gonna move. You know, you yeah. know, this is another stupid tangent. Fuck it. But I'm almost getting annoyed of r slash movie circle jerk. If any of you listeners know yeah. of that, it's a parody of r slash movies on Reddit, <laughs> and they make fun of like you know overly pretentious like internet movie people they they make fun of like the culture of our movies yeah is a i think a good way to put it yeah and it's like it's getting to the point where now they're just like totally just dissing anything that like movies might like oh they're they're just contrarian to be contrarian yeah and it's like it's almost like the circle is going like full circle here (laughs) oh christ and it's just like i feel like people who actually don't like movies are just like going into this this uh, subreddit. Yeah. Oh no, they're gonna like post us on. Oh no, oh, no, they're they don't even listen shit to on shit. Us. Nah, nah. No, I, lo- I, I mean, you know me. I love that jo- that that subreddit because I usually send you posts. From yeah, it, and it's funny stuff. Yeah. It, it's just getting a little bit on the annoying side. 
Just a little bit. Not too much. Well, with I their coverage of, of Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Twenty forty. Like, you know, they'll they'll constantly do like the whole like neon lighting as like a crutch for like good cinematography. Oh yeah. And like it was funny for like the first like few posts, but then they'll just do anything and put like a purple red <laughs> hue on something and say, Is this good cinematography? Yeah. And it's like, all right, yeah. Well, and it, it yeah. kind of I don't know. I, I, I definitely understand what you mean because like I'll go to our movies and then like I think it was just last week some guy was like uh there's some really upvoted uh thread about like wow I just saw Blade Runner 2049 and it's like the best movie of and I don't know why that annoys me like is it that weird is it that weird thing where like you want I don't know man that's a lot to unpack I guess it's like is it a weird thing where like I want I don't know where like when when everybody loves something you love that it doesn't feel as special. You know what I mean? Like, is that because like that's a thing that I think we talk about. But we're in such a bubble. Yeah, because we No, you're right. Yeah, because a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah. A lot of people don't like it. Like my I have family members who like didn't like it. And yeah. And like in the yeah, exactly. The general audience doesn't even know like our qualms with this like. Yeah. These this internal affairs, I would call it internal affairs almost. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It, yeah. It's like within our own, within our within our own like uh, niche group of mm-hmm. um, compatriots on the internet mm-hmm. are 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 fighting. Almost. Yeah, and it's just kind of weird to just know that uh, to be annoyed and no one else kind of like knows it. it yeah, outside of that kind of area. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. it, it's still. It, it, it's still a masterpiece. I don't care. Absolutely, man. It's a fucking. Ma- Did you watch that? Uh, going like we shouldn't be recording this, but like the Film Joy uh, Mike, movies with Mikey video. No, I didn't get the chance. You gotta, to. you gotta watch it, dude. It's uh, mm-hmm. listeners watch the Film Joy uh, Blade You're Runner. Big, a big advocate for movies with Mikey. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's really great. He talks about not only that, but he talks about. Um, the recent trend of uh, making sequels to movies that are over 20 years old. And it's like, it's something we've talked about here a lot mm-hmm. with like the whole legacy sequel thing. Um, and he really kind of like starts to like dive into what those movies are doing. And mm-hmm. um, it's a really, really great video. Um, so check that out. I mean, Phantom Thread is literally a movie that's kind of 60 years after it's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a smooth ass so, transition. Oh, sorry. dude, that is so smooth. Oh god, god damn, it's like it silky so velvet. That yeah, it's a six Hitchcock, not Hitchcock, no Woodcock yeah. uses on mm-hmm. his dresses. I'm still like trying to silky smooth, just like that, yeah. like the thread in a Woodcock dress. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, um, how, how do you want to like approach this movie? Like it's uh, well, there there's some like um, so. From, so I'll just do a quick like overview, like what exactly happens in the film. Mm -hmm. You have, uh, you have Reynolds Woodcock played by the amazing Daniel Day Lewis. DDL. And he, he's just very immersed in his art, which is dressmaking. Mm -hmm. And he ends up going to the country to kind of take a break from the whole, uh, dress because he's very intense and he puts everything of him into his work mm-hmm. and then there he meets up with alma which is uh played by vicky kreps like the like the food Cre- well k 
K-R-I-E-P-S. Oh, I'm going to say, crips. I'm going to just go with crepes because it's very apt. I think... You know, like the yeah. food. Okay. Because food is like a, such a big theme yeah. in this, um, it is. In this yeah. film. We'll definitely talk about that some more. Yeah. And so they, uh, they, they end up uh, getting to know each other and end up being lovers, mm-hmm. such as such. And, you know, to see... Um, Daniel Day-Lewis's character and how his life interacts with uh, with a relationship is is kind of like the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And how she, uh, Alma, is uh, has to navigate those waters and try to give back control to herself and agency to herself. And that's done, spoilers, via... St- Putting, making him sick via poisoned mushrooms. Via poisoned mushrooms. <laughs> poisonous, poisonous mushrooms. So that 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 kind of um, gives uh, there. There's a lot. There's a lot to go through. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, and I'm trying to f- figure out like what's the best um, well, diving point. Le- I I want to talk about. Um, okay, yeah, because this movie's pretty. It's pretty plotless. There's not really plot. It's just like these character moments that uh, are like hinges to where like the the story of the movie is like mm-hmm. uh, turning. Like their relationship is evolving through these moments that happen. Um, I really want to talk about uh, the scene when they meet. Because you know what, I want to talk about that scene too. That scene mm-hmm. is amazing. Like this movie is. Uh, I'm trying to think about what episode. It is when we talked about um, – because it was one of our episodes we did um, where, like, there are so many scenes in the movie that stick with me and I can recall and I love the individual scenes that add up to, like, an amazing – and I can't fucking remember which one it was. I guess for – and I don't know. But you have to explain, like, what – Yeah, so this movie – okay, so this movie has – so many individual scenes, like the the one near the end with the party uh, when they first meet, uh, that are just like these incredibly well-directed, well-acted like moments where you learn so much about the characters, and it's all visual. Um, mm. It's all done through directing. Like, So let's talk about that restaurant scene. And uh, so Daniel Day-Lewis is going to the country. He's going to go eat breakfast, uh, and he sits down. Vicky Krep's character, Alma, walks out. She's just kind of like this. She's kind of tripping all over herself. She's very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of makes eye contact with him. And it's just, God, it's all fucking visual. And I love that. And it it, it lets it breathe. It doesn't like. Because it's, it's more of like your your, your buddy Stevie Spielberg um, and yeah. their reactions to each other when they see each other. Yeah. And I exactly. really like um, how she like does a little trip that's like strangely charming, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like she, that romantic yeah. comedy thing, yeah, but it doesn't but it's, feel It's not like cheesy. Adam Sandler yeah. movies. It's not like Drew Barrymore dropping her plate oh, when I'm, she's... Oh, I'm stupid and I forgot so many I'm days. I'm so clumsy. I don't know how to walk. Save me. <laughs> Save me, Gerard male. Butler. Like... <laughs> Save me, male. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, figure. You know, shooting star segment, kind of. Okay. Um, Bringing this back. So shooting star okay. is a segment that... Uh, is if we had to do a double take mm-hmm. uh, of, of of a scene. Originated to, from watching Jaws and Jaws. seeing the shooting star in the background that double caught take. us off guard. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I remember I was watching this again. The window in the um, the window behind uh, Reynolds, mm-hmm. you know, because it's center frame. It's also shot, 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 shot. shot, Everybody. Oh shit! Well, yeah. it's, it's a co- okay. it's a combination shots. Yeah. Okay. And their shot scene is obviously technical, mm-hmm. whatever cinematography shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the window is in center frame, and you see in the background of the window is like this beautiful like landscape. Mm-hmm. This is like a mountain and a lake. Yeah. And it's a little um, overexposed. Obviously, that's just what you're gonna what you're gonna get when you're filming indoors. Mm-hmm. Everything filmed on location yeah. for this movie. Yeah. And uh, later on, when Alma starts, like, uh, I guess it's a bit of a flirtatious dialogue between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at the window again, and you see the um, the fence and the greenery, like, in the for Well, it's like the foreground of the window as opposed to the background. So mm-hmm. I like freaked out a little bit because I was like, did the window change? Yeah. Because I just remember the, the, the mountain and the lake. And okay. then now you see like the green grass and the fence. Okay. And I don't know how intentional this is, but I'm going to give PT the benefit of the doubt because he's really good at, you know, doing subtle cinematic language and say that mm. it's just to show that, before it's their unfamiliarity. That's why you see the far away mountains and lakes. Yeah. And then when they start flirting, it's like, oh, it's close. Now they're closer together, and you see like <laughs> okay, the fence yeah. and the greenery. You know, it's like yeah. a more of like a blooming sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. I hope that's what you're going for. And I and PT is just like listening to this, like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah that was that was intentional. That was so- <laughs> like <laughs> cringes. I'm, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that's what he did, but I thought that was uh, yeah, dude. A cool that's thing. uh, yeah. I mean, I I'm glad we're bringing up shots early on because um, I think this is, and I, I texted you this that I think PTA is only getting better as a director, meaning like vi- like utilizing the visual medium because like this movie is so well directed in terms of like we don't have to say anything. We don't have to have characters speaking like we can, we can literally just do body language and it can be completely compelling. Mm -hmm. Like that, that opening scene when they meet, there's already so much tension, uh, because of, you know, their glances and their kind of half smiles at each other. Mm -hmm. It's like this movie is like a fucking is like your imagination when you're reading a book. Mm-hmm. It's like you're sitting here imagining all these little nuances and like he's able to capture that. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's part of why I like love this movie so much. Um, but at, at the same time, even not to say that that's not what he's doing, but mm-hmm. he's also I think his script writing has gotten much yeah. better. Yeah. With yeah. Phantom Thread almost because mm-hmm. like even one of the first scenes is, you know, with the other lady who is ex-lover. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, his, his prior Japan. muse yeah. who he has finished uh, utilizing mm-hmm. for his dress. Used up. Used up. And yeah. he says, uh, remember, Joanna, no more stodgy things. And I didn't know what stodgy meant. And apparently it means okay, like yeah. in reference to food, it's, uh, you know, heavy, filled with carbs, uninspired. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it is like, oh, that's perfect. Cause it's just like, 
you know, he's like kind of done with, it's already insinuating that he's like annoyed and done with her. Mm-hmm. And then she responds, I didn't know that. Maybe you told someone else. And it's like that, just the, the subtext of yeah. that saying how, oh, he's been through like so many different women. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, I caught that yeah. when I most recently watched uh-huh. it too. Like she has the knowledge of like, and it seems like even Alma does too. Like when they first meet, mm-hmm. she brings up like, you're a very handsome men in your profession. You must meet a lot of beautiful women, something mm-hmm. to that effect. And it's like, they have the knowledge of like, this guy is very successful and very mm-hmm. attractive and, you know, is but what's great and, about it is that that dialogue feels like natural as opposed to yeah. just like, you're a bachelor boy. Why don't yeah. you have married woman, mm-hmm. please? Yeah. You well, know. that's, you know, yeah. that's dialogue most directors, I think, would use <laughs> and think was great. You mean Michael Bay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, yeah, but that's a, a perfect example. And uh, yeah, I mean, this movie, I think more than any of his others to me, feels so... It feels so real and it feels like I'm I'm getting a like window into a fully realized world. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean reality? Reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I mean, everything just feels so authentic. Uh, the dialogue feels so real. The characters do. And like um, I wanted to bring up. So that first. So the the breakfast nook uh, location is like. Uh, the setting for so many really tense scenes. Right. Uh, right. Like when like Alma's first there and she, uh, this is still, you know, we're still talking shots here and they're just eating breakfast quietly. There's no dialogue mm-hmm. at all. And it's fully like utilizing the sound mix. And she's sitting here and she's like buttering her toast and it's this like scratching, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to okay. interrupt you because no, like, yeah. like it that dovetails really well with what I wanted to bring up with. Oh yeah. 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 With, um, cause prior to that, mm-hmm. before that, when Reynolds eats with Alma yeah. on their first date, mm-hmm. like he's immersed with her. Yeah. And yet you don't hear a sound of the food at all. Yes. There yes. is no f- loud noises mm-hmm. and that yields that Reynolds has given his, undying attention to yeah um alma so then it goes to what you were saying exactly well okay so exactly i'm glad you said that because the lack of sound in certain circumstances uh yeah like the uh yeah like how loud uh more or less like silence is in certain scenes is so important because yeah she's sitting here and she's buttering her toast and scratching she's pouring tea and you're hearing every clink and then with that audio it's showing daniel day lewis uh just slightly being and he's such a fucking great actor that he plays like slightly irritated so well Mm. and what like what does he say in that scene i didn't like write it down but it's like you like a fucking horse like went through the yeah like (laughs) ran through the yeah Yeah. the kitchen or something yeah um yeah dude like every scene in that um well, let's let's talk more to sound because mm-hmm. that stays throughout the movie um, and is always, I think, kind of a indicator of his feelings towards her. Mm-hmm. Um, like when she this is a pretty crucial scene, I think, too, when she um, they're all crucial. They're all Bruh. crucial. It's say, a PTA yeah. movie. They're <laughs> all uh, they're all necessary and, mm-hmm. and good. Um, when she asks uh, Cyril 
to Siri. have all the workers ask Siri, she asked her cell phone, to tell all the workers to go home. Um, uh-huh. And if she wanted to make a nice surprise dinner for what was uh, the, Reynolds. What is, there's a pretty important line of dialogue um, in that fucking scene, and I wrote it down. I'm trying when to love was, him the way I want to. Right, yeah. And that's, I feel like that's really telling for who she is as a character. But, uh, yeah, Cyril says, good luck. Basically, <laughs> she's like, I don't think uh-huh. this is a good idea. I don't think you should do this. Like, I know my brother. Um, and they all do. And then there's this, another fucking great, almost dialogueless scene when uh, Daniel Day, uh, when uh, Woodcock gets home mm-hmm. and he realizes the house is empty and Alma wants to yeah. uh, make him dinner. You know what's so funny? Mm-hmm. I'm starting to pick this up, but I think that, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you and I like differ, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I think it's a good yeah. thing. Okay. That I, I was focusing on the dialogue, like the actual content on like what he was saying. Yeah. And then you're focusing on like on the micro. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the micro like, expressions. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, like, I love the whole dialogue in that scene where he's like, do you have a gun? Do you have a yeah. gun? Are you a special agent here to here to kill me? Yeah. Am I behind enemy lines? And it's like, and I was, <laughs> yeah. like, exploring that and, like, the subtext of, like, uh-huh. how that, you know, like, on the podcast where PTA was talking about, you know, um, that you'll have an argument and it's not really about what you're arguing about. It's about like the undercurrents of your relationship mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. So like saying like playing the game by saying like special agent, you know, stuff like that or about the fucking butter. Yeah. On the asparagus. Yeah. But it's not about the fucking butter or asparagus. Yeah, absolutely. It's about like their, the, the power shifts between the two characters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like he interacts more. Yeah. I mean, as, as far as like me, uh, being like tuned into the, I, I just think this movie is like a masterpiece of nuance and of, um, subtlety. Yeah. Subtlety. But what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, uh, what 90% of human communication is body language, body language. It's, it's like a masterpiece. <laughs> that was the one, that's the that's one for some phrase. reason I forgot fucking <laughs> body language, but cause you were using your body language to express. Exactly. I was like totally, maybe, my you know, maybe it. you should consider a different occupation, not podcasting. <laughs> I guess maybe so. you should just like, maybe I should learn sign language and fucking, uh, yeah, be a mime. Yeah. Be a mime. There you go. <laughs> um, boy, that's like the opposite of podcasting, huh? How would Being you a even, mime? You know, I feel bad for mimes because it's just like everybody should. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not like, okay, maybe it's because they can't do anything that anyone would care about (laughs) in the sense that like, you can't give micro like expressions because no one's going to sit up next to your fucking face. Well, because it's very theatrical. You have to, you have to to play big big to a big audience. So everybody knows. So on film, you can get a nice close up and just get right in there. Yeah. And it's, it's the, it's the body language thing about this movie Mm -hmm. that I, every time, God dude, like, cause there's so many long stretches of no dialogue and it's just playing on, like looks it's playing on the way that they're you know adjusting like their their smiles and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's just ah, it just fucking pulls you in man because it's like 
finally with film, I feel like this is a is a very, very modern thing. Like we're getting to the point where movies are like really utilizing body language and they're really able to tap into the tension that can be there in communication with with body language. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, just like how I'm like when uh, when there was an intense tension between them towards the end of the movie. Mm hmm. And uh, she's cooking up those delicious poison mushrooms yeah. into an omelet, and she uh, she looks at uh, Reynolds, yeah, and she gives this like bitch smirk. Yeah, she just like creates this smile yeah. out of thin air, and it's like, <laughs> like it's so, so fake. It's so yeah, it's so and telling. it's like it's great to see an actress somehow pull off a fake smile because she's already faking it. Mm-hmm. In a, in one sense, but it's like the uh, the meta layer of faking, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's that's why uh, like movies like this are like like ultimate cinema to me because it's like mm-hmm. you can only experience something like this watching a movie, and like that's why I fucking love PTA. Is like, and that's why I said like he's getting better is because he's like diving. It's like this movie is interesting because it. Um, is a lot more contained than I'd say his last couple, like the master or there will be blood literally contained contained. Yeah. It's mostly in one house, Mm -hmm. but it, it feels huge in the sense that it's, uh, I don't know. It's like giant exploration of, yeah. Of, uh, human relationships, gender, gender roles in, Mm -hmm. uh, 19, in the 1950s or beyond or before, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I think that's what's interesting is that, you know, speaking of, I guess this is a good transition, like 1950s mm-hmm. and kind of that whole era, because it was a deliberate choice to make it 1950s, I think. Yeah. And uh, and gender roles. Yeah, can you grab me one? Yeah. Um, you know, we all know what uh, the 1950s, at least from what we're told in uh, our history books. The Bible. Oh. The Bible. Um, that... You had the nuclear family and all the, all the uh, women. Uh, do I say woman weird? You, you pointed that out on Hateful Eight, and it really bothered me. I told you me. that years ago, man. You've always said woman weird. Woman. You say well. Woman. You say you say women. Women. Like woman. Like the singular. Women. 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 But I, I mean, that's not that's that's a quirk, man. I, I that's a women. that's a see women doesn't make any sense because there's it's not an O. Wi- wi- women. Well, that's that's English. That's just it like, doesn't make it's a lot of e. sense. Yeah, it's an E sound. Wi- women. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I mean, that's just how people. I'm just say reading it because I'm more of a reader rather than well, a talker. Well, I Whoops. I mean, I think I think ultimately, you're blowing my mind because I mean, you're right. Yeah, that's why I've always pronounced it <laughs> "woman" because it's how it's like. like what spelled. other English word pronounces women. like it doesn't make any sense to me? We pronounces "o" like "i" pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Fuck, man, you just upended my whole thing, my whole life. Now you feel pretty bad. I feel pretty stupid now, man. But uh, I mean, what, you, you probably that's you're probably the right correct pronunciation of it. <laughs> but, you know, the correct pronunciation is wrong. So yeah, anyways, enough. on the 1950s uh, gender roles thing, um, obviously we have... Uh, you know, the, the, now I can't stop thinking about women and women. <laughs> um, fucking, don't worry. The about female it. role. Oh God. <laughs> the female role is to be, you know, submissive and to do, you know, chores. You know, all you guys know what it is. And the male mm-hmm. is supposed to be dominant and, yeah, and not submissive like the female is. 
they're supposed to take care of and be involved in their work, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing that we see in uh, Phantom Thread. You know, you have uh, Reynolds as the dominant uh, male who's obsessed with his work. And then you have Alma, who, who is very feminine, mm -hmm. but yet a, like the IMDB summary said, strong-willed. Because mm -hmm. she, she's different from the other females in the sense, like the previous ones, because she asserts like her feelings. And she feels that that's important for Reynolds to know. Mm -hmm. It's just respectable. Yeah, And yeah. it's in the 1950s, because that's like the, the, the transitioning period to the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Because what you had more women's liber, women's liberation, yeah. in the sixties, like the whole, um, I don't know what the, the like, like first, feminine, feminist first, movement, yeah, first wave 60s, fem, 70s, feminist yeah. movement, yeah. I don't know if that's the correct terminology, first wave, but I think it was. Yeah. But um, so it's so interesting to see how Alma actually is still holding on to the past in one sense because she still wants to be that feminine role in Reynolds' life by being his caretaker. Yeah, yeah. By intentionally making him sick mm -hmm. so she can still fulfill the traditional gender role. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that Reynolds wants that because... Uh, it reminds him of his mother, which that's another thing we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's a big thing with this movie, yeah. Yeah. Is and, uh the maternal um mm -hmm. Freudian, I guess, Freudian like component thing, yeah. of the movie, which is you from from it's like it's um it's talked about within the movie. It's like text in the movie. Uh, from the beginning, like he he like sews his mother's hair into his uh, suit jacket, a little creepy, little, it's a little, little off putting. Little yeah. Off -putting. Um, and he's like talking about his, his mother, uh, he, with, a with Cyril, his sister at the beginning, I think I wrote mm. down, um, it's comforting the idea that the dead are watching us. I don't find that spooky at all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he's, he's talking about his mom, like their mom passed away. Mm -hmm. And he pretty much says from the get go that, uh, he's doing everything to please his mom. Right. And so he's, he's very much like, uh, taken with this, uh, maternal figure in his life and mm -hmm. she's gone now. So, so that's, what's interesting to yeah. me because it just seems like he's own. is it, I don't know. It's like a chicken or egg thing. It's like, is it that he's obsessed with dressmaking because he loved his mom so much or she did teach him? Yeah. Is, or is it that he actually does like dressmaking so much? That's interesting. I haven't really thought about that. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess thinking about it, I, I'd say that the passion for like his mom led to the dressmaking, right? You know, like, and it then seem like that's what what it was about because it just I think so. from all the mother imagery, it just seemed like that's the. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like the the whole Freudian thing where you always yeah. want to go back to where you came from. That's your identity. Yeah, and yeah. The identity of his mother was that she was a dressmaker. Mm -hmm. So he just keeps in that loop, and it's like he's stuck within this uh, obsession of the. The past. movie does have like a cyclical feel to mm -hmm. it, definitely. Like it starts with a woman being kicked out of the house because he's kind of finished with her, mm -hmm. and then it kind of gets to that point, but he like 
pushes through it because Alma's different. Yeah. Like she's able to she's take it to a different to, place. To take, you know, off the mm-hmm. cycle. Yeah. Off yeah. the vicious cycle per se. Yeah. Um, he's a depending on your interpretation of what happens at the end, I guess. Um, well, you know, I, um, are you going to drop before you drop that theory? I just want to say right now, um, this movie, the, uh, was kind of created. Well, it was made by Paul Thomas Anderson, obviously. Um, but the idea for it came about when he was very ill. And this is what I like, probably the most interesting thing that I gleaned from that podcast I sent you, uh, which is he was really sick one day at home. And, um, his wife, Maya Rudolph. Rudolph, was taking care of him. And uh, he said the way that she looked at him when he was sick and she was taking care of him was like a love that he had never seen before. It was pretty much like, like yeah, like the passion in her eyes was something that, like, she was, was like, into it. Yeah, she was like almost into it, you she know? Into it. And so I just find that so fascinating that it comes from such a personal place mm-hmm. as, like, to to take that and extrapolate this movie from that mm-hmm. is so interesting. Like as like, who is this guy? Who is PTA? And like what he did have a bad relationship with his mom. That that was something that uh, I oh, read really? online. Yeah, he didn't have a good relationship with her. Um, but yeah, is this, are we in theory time now? Is uh, is that what what it is? Uh, well, it just seems like it is playing off of. <sighs> How do I put it? It's like it's sadomasochism. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, uh, you've you uh, all you little uh, innocent listeners out there who don't know what sadomasochism <laughs> is, don't Google it. <laughs> but essentially, you have a sadist in the relationship, and yeah. you have a ma- masochist in the relationship. Mm-hmm. The sadist, based off the um, what's it, what was his name, uh, Sade, who was a terrible he was a writer and he was like okay. a he was like a libertine he would do all sorts of terrible things wow i, I didn't know that that concept uh, was based on a person yeah his that's name was Sade. yeah and uh you know he would torture and rape and shit like that so that's Jesus. why okay. like sadism is derived from his name i feel i feel that feels kind of dirty that they like gave him his own thing based on his name that's kind of well weird. it's because like sadism has in a relative sense been more legitimi- legitimized yeah um okay. nowadays i think it's it's a lot more um, well and then people it's not as frowned upon yeah and then people me. like me didn't even know he was a mm-hmm. person so it's like it's fine yeah. I so guess. sadism is just abusing people in out of and, and liking it like enjoying yeah. it yeah and masochism is you know the opposite where you enjoy receiving pain yeah right so like having a sadomasochistic relationship is almost perfect because both of you get what you need from the other, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, it's kind of like what Alma and Reynolds gets because yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's so weird because I was trying to understand it, um, in the sense that Reynolds is such a, um, domineering type, um, person that he needs, like his fetish is to be the submissive person. Mm-hmm. He wants to be yeah. the masochist now. Yeah. And Alma, while well, she's like, she loves when Reynolds is like, you know, masculine in control and making all these dresses. Mm-hmm. But she also loves being on the side of literally hurting him, yeah, literally yeah. hurting him and then taking care of him. Yeah. 
And it's like, it's interesting to me on like the whole, I don't know, on like maybe sexual analysis is kind of yeah. like that fetishism is almost just the opposite of what your normal operating mode is. Well, you know and that's, I mean? that's super interesting in the movie too, because the, it through the, throughout the narrative of the movie, there's a push and pull when, so like, for example, when they're not doing that to each other, when she's not poisoning him, mm-hmm. when, uh, he's not sick and he's not getting that, um, you know, uh, care and compassion from her in that style, um, is, is when their relationship starts to dip and then it goes back up when that happens. And then they're like on a high, like with like the morning after he is better, the first time she poisons him, mm-hmm. um, is when he's just so filled with passion and love. And he, he tells her for the first time, at least we think, uh, you know, I love you. I want to marry you. Yeah. And then, and then it starts to decay again. And then at the end she poisons him again. And then they're both, on this high, you know, yeah, it's like those uh, the motions, yeah, like a hill and valley, pretty mm-hmm. much. So it's it's. I, Does I that just create that. a sustainable relationship, dude? Okay, so what do you what do you think happens a- after this movie? So in my eyes, if he doesn't die, he probably that's. I just think you think he does. Okay, because yeah. until we I walked there's in too this many, time and watched there, it. Yeah, there, there's too many like instances of worse. Well, I mean, yeah. she says literally, like, yeah, if he true. dies, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll be with him in the the yeah. afterlife and then life after that. I guess the, you yeah, the I mean? movie does kind of uh, track that narrative, like, yeah. by her saying that if he dies, the doctor's there, mm-hmm. the lighting is very ominous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I guess I guess maybe he dies at the end. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I never really thought, because what, what unlocked it this time is the amount of mushrooms. yeah. There's a fuckload. It wasn't just it, it, a yeah. It wasn't just a grating. Exactly. The first time she grated a little bit of the, the mushroom, and it mushroom. was rough on him. Yeah. And this time she just cooks she a just fuck ton the of the mushrooms. mushrooms in. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. That's kind of my new uh, yeah analysis in the movie. I guess so he dies at the end. When I was in Japan, okay. Apparently, they are into knowing if you are a sadist or a masochist. Like, that's part of, like... You know, you have the... Wow. I, you have, like, the personality test. Yeah. And you would be an introvert or extrovert. Yeah. You know, that shit. But on top of that, they would want to know if you're a sadist or a masochist. Wow. So I looked up a little quiz online. Okay. Oh, okay. And we're going to get... Oh, this is what you warned me about. We are going to give okay. Brent Carroll... Yep. A test. I'll, I'll tell you my I didn't know this was coming. <laughs> this is completely a surprise. I cannot wait to find out. Is it binary? Is it one or the other? <laughs> right. Or percentages? Binary. Oh, fuck. Okay. No, no. It's it's percentages. Oh, okay. okay. So, because... Okay. Well, we're just going to dive many, right in. Yeah, let's just do just, it. Just fuck do it, it, dude. Do you cry when watching sad movies, anime, TV series, or when reading a book? Fuck yes. Is there a fuck yes answer? That's yeah, a fuck there's, yes. There is. I already know the fucking outcome, dude. Are you? Sh- are you? Three choices. Me? What? What? They're sad because I never get sad when watching reading them. That's wait, wait, wait. I'm, what, say that there's again. Cho- there's three choices. Oh, okay. In the, in the yes. okay. What? They're sad because I never get sad when watching reading them. Yes, especially animes like Pokemon. What? That's sad. And then the third choice is depends. So I'm guessing you would choose the second one. Yes. Especially animes like Pokemon. What is the... 
what is the deal with anime and Pokemon shit? Where did you find this? Where did you <laughs> dig this up? What the fuck? It's literally the first choice on Google. That's weird. Okay. Okay. The Pokemon one, yeah. We have to go through this quick, but do you yeah. torture others? No, that's just wrong. Yes, it's my favorite thing to do. If I hate him or her, yes, but don't I, I don't torture my friends. No. No, that's just wrong. Okay. Do you cry a lot? Nah, normal. Nope. I told you I'd never get sad. Um, maybe. Oh, so are there two? There's three. Nah, what? normal, which I don't understand what that means. It says, nah, I guess no, you're just a normal, normal person. Uh, say, say that one. There's um, I don't maybe. cry a lot. No, I don't, I don't cry okay, a lot. Not normal. I cry way... I, I cry movies. 90% of the time because of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good... Do you have sadist friends? So, Secret Fridge crew, listen to this one. Okay. Do you have sadist friends? Is it friends? just yes or no? Both, both sadist and masochist, all around me, and no. The first one, both sadist and masochist. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have a very diverse group of uh, Secret Fridge I people. think we do, yeah, yeah. What kind of story ending do you like? An ending when someone dies or gets hurt. I don't care if it's the protagonist or the antagonist. A happy ending when no one gets hurt or depends on the storyline, duh. The third one, I mean, yeah. yeah. Do you so like, I like a good sad ending. Do you like seeing blood? Nah, depends on who's being hurt, A. Yes, B. No, it means someone is hurt, right? C. Dude, the they're putting too much information yeah, into these know. answers. It's, Wait, okay. Um, so are we talking real life? Do you like? It just says, "Do you like seeing blood?" It depends on. Nah, it depends on who's being hurt. Yes. Oh no, it means someone is hurt, right? You know, I'll say nah. It depends on who's being hurt, just okay. because there are some real life figures that uh, may that may be on the public that stage <laughs> um, that I'm thinking about. <laughs> Uh, next question. What type of person is, is your type? A, a sadist who tortures others. B, I don't care if she or he is ugly as long as she or he is nice. Or C, well, a normal person, hot if possible, lol. What the fuck is this quiz, dude? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was expecting logical answers. I was trying to find one that, like, makes sense of what you just said, and I... I what? I, gu- I guess the third one? A normal person, hot if possible. Lol. Yeah? I, what? All right. <laughs> it's, it's hard. Well, it, it might be easier if I saw it, but it's, yeah, it's fine. Number eight. What do you like to do when you're off? A, anything's fine. B, watch cute movies and sometimes sad and I cry. What? <sighs> Or C, watch violent movies while screaming yes every time someone is hurt. It's like you can already tell which one's like the sadist. <laughs> it's like so I thought there'd be some, some sense subtlety. of subtlety. Um, well, okay. I mean, I, I, I'm... Anything's fine. So, so like a sad drama or like a... Mm. I, I'd say the third one, actually. I'd say a violent... Uh, so yeah. watch violent movies while screaming yes every time someone is hurt. Sure, yeah. That's okay. the type of thing, you know, when I'm like trying to, you know... Just uh, get off when I'm off of work and I'm just like wanting to chill. Yeah, for sure. What do you usually do to your friend? A. So this is uh, yeah, I'll know. This is my boy. A. Hit them, slap them, yell at them, torture them, basically. Okay. B. Just normal stuff. Sometimes hit them if I'm pissed (laughs) off. (laughs) What the 
talk and sometimes have a happy talk. Or <laughs> C, laugh and play and chat about happy things. Um, they don't know about comma usage on this, uh, this quiz. Wait, so the second one includes maybe hitting them, maybe if, talking about? If I'm about? pissed off, I will hit them. Oh, th- uh, fucking C. It's got to be C. Laugh and play and chat about happy things. Yeah, I guess. Do you think being a sadist is right? A, it's really wrong. Sadists are freaks who torture others. They're going to be serial killers in the future. B, duh, no, they're awesome because they torture people. <laughs> A little on the nose, fucking. C, well, no, sadism, sadism and masochism are separated only by only one thin line, like, just like love and hate. Oh, God. You know, I think I'll go C on that one. You know, C is just the most reasonable. I think that's a pretty reasonable, uh, yeah. Test results. Let's see. What do you you think? What do you think? I'm going to say 90% masochist. You are 60% masochist. You're half and half. 60%. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So. I was hoping for a more like logical uh, quiz. (laughs) When I took it. Yeah. Oh yeah, fifty-fifty, obviously. Oh, okay. So, We're closer than help. I than I thought. I thought I'd be when you told me you yeah. were gonna give me a sadomasochist test, mm. I thought I was gonna be like ninety percent. The masochist. thing is like I would take whatever this is a grain of salt because that was a really oh, shitty yeah. fucking test. Well, I'd take that with uh, a handful of fucking sand. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Start using that <laughs> that saying. A, a handful of sand. Salt. That's that's what I take. You know what that, that President Trump saying? You know, I'll take it with a I'll handful. I'll take it with a handful of sand. What does even a grain grain of salt even mean? Well, I, I'm I'm picturing grains. So like one little, I don't even know. Yeah, what the yeah, fuck like, does that mean, <laughs> dude? Okay, so what I'm taking from this podcast is like fuck English. Yeah, English is. We stupid. need to like rework some shit because our language is dumb. Uh huh. Words are stupid and. And you you know it's from the country England, which Phantom Thread was. Uh, That's right, beautifully <laughs> shot in. Let's talk about some of the cinematography. Cinematography for a sec. Um, like I said, they shot this whole movie on location, used no sets. Um, apparently, it was a fucking nightmare to film in that mm-hmm. house uh, because they had the entire fucking crew um, crammed inside this house. They were all cramped in there shooting for like uh, like thirteen, fourteen hours a day. Um, for like months. Yeah. And, and this is like one of the first, at least modern movies where, um, there wasn't a cinematographer. It was just PTA and, uh, some lighting guys pretty much. And I, I find it interesting that, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I don't know if I know enough about the process of filmmaking to know what that really means, but I think that's kind of that's kind of ballsy to not hire a cinematographer and just be like, I'm just going to work with my lighting guys and we'll be good. Well, I think it's just a matter of like, like one logistics and the fact mm-hmm. that his cinematographer was just unavailable, right? Or something like he mm-hmm. was in uh yeah, he, he, he was, uh, doing something else. Doing something else. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think he talked and, about that. And, um, I mean, when you have like, Logistically, just because it's t- like I saw some behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. 
and it's so cramped in that goddamn house. Like, yeah, it seems PTA like is like literally leaning, and he's crunching himself like in a corner, <laughs> and he's like God. on the camera, and just like he's like squeezing, almost like he's playing hide and go seek. That's how like like or, or yeah. sardines that game sardines. And he's just well, like I've in there. I've never heard of that. We're gonna have really? to talk about that at some point. It's just you, it's like hide and go seek, except when you find somebody, you hide with them. That's it. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's pretty okay. cool, isn't yeah. it? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's like he just really scrunched in there. Yeah. Oh, sardines is like the opposite of like hide and go seek because it's like yeah, there's one person that hides and everyone goes seeks, and then you like okay, you know. Oh well, I, I don't think I understand it any better now. But really, no. like hide and go seek is yeah. one person has to go seek, everyone hides, right? Yeah. While sardines. One person hides, everyone seeks. Oh, and wait, you just start fucking cramming in with cramming each other? Cramming in with each That's other. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. That says, that, that'd be impossible to play in, like, most houses. I feel like you have to have, like, a very big house to be well, able to do that. that's the fun. Yeah. That's why they call it sardines. Yeah, because they'll start, like, you know, going really fast, and everyone starts, like, putting oh, in. Oh, that's all. fun. It's cute, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I like that. That'd be fun to play sardines. <laughs> yeah. Someday. Someday. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he was really cr- he was really crunched into the yeah. corner, and it just seemed like if you were just at because uh, you know the camera has to be in specific areas in the house when you have limited space, you might as well just have the director just be there and just like do it as opposed to having two people have to deal with the uh, mm-hmm. the cinematography. Yeah, you know? I think it's yeah. probably just a smart move, and PTA is just very talented at what he does anyway. Yeah, he can exactly. Do that, so. Yeah, I mean, in, in this movie, you wouldn't even guess that it was lacking a cinematographer. It's like it's beautifully shot and lit. And, uh, like, I, I, this something about this movie, man, is just, like, just beautiful. Like, like, and going back to the scenes thing, it's like going back to, like, the, the restaurant where they first meet. Um, I want to talk about that party scene when he goes to... Uh, to meet Alma when she, like, leaves the house frustrated because she wants to go dancing. And... That's like that's maybe one of the best directed scenes in any movie I've ever seen, I think. And I know that sounds really hyperbolic, but down to every facet of like what you have to worry about as a director, um, it's like uh, Daniel Day Lewis arrives at this party and then there's the set, there's the score of the movie, but it's clashing with the music at this party, the people screaming, yeah, New it's Year's, chaos. New Year's, uh, yeah, music. New yeah. Year's yeah celebration. It's just just shit everywhere. Balloons, mm. uh, costumes, um, and it's it's just it cuts through the chaos in a way that is like visually done so well because he like goes down onto the floor where the party is. His music, the score, um, that's like our foot into like Daniel Day Lewis's character is like being drowned out by the chaos of the scene. Mm. And then it starts increasing in volume and all of the sound starts dying off as he's like walking up to Alma. And it's like, it's like his focus almost like that's like PTA just allowing us to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, The triangulating is a good way to put it. Um, until it's just the music and it's just quiet when they see each other. And it's like, that's so fucking beautiful, man. Like, Mm. God, this movie, this fucking movie. That's that was a uh, set piece. Yeah, that, that was, was absolutely a set piece. A set piece you man. know, it's just interesting to yeah. think that this movie, a romance uh, about a dressmaker, mm-hmm. has a set piece in it. Has yeah. a set piece. Yeah. And what's cool about that too is that that was um, that scene was about how 
Alma, they were they they had just gotten married. Alma wanted to go dancing, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, Woodcock um, wanted to keep working. He doesn't give a shit about things like New Year's and shit like that. Yeah, and um, it's it's such a great uh, like you know New Year's wasn't just a a superfluous choice. Mm-hmm. It's like the changing of the year is a changing of the times. Yeah. You know, so it's like the transition between bachelor uh, Woodcock mm-hmm. to married Woodcock and the and the difference in gender roles, you mm-hmm. know, being mixed up. You know, Woodcock represents the past who's, um, you know, he literally wants to mold women into what woman, the yeah. ideal woman should be. Yeah, I mean, the name's intentional. Yeah, I mean, sure. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's such a cartoonishly yeah. masculine name. Yeah, yeah Woodcock. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, he designs dresses exclusively in a traditional sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, let me put a, put a little um, bookmark on that really quick. Mm-hmm. But uh, what was interesting that Alma at the end when she reminisces about the New Year's thing, it's them just dancing slowly, mm-hmm. like Woodcock and Alma. Yeah. And it's, that's not what happened. It was, uh, you know, he literally just dragged her away from the party. Yeah. So she, like, reinterpreted that whole, like, at least that's what I thought. I thought she just literally reinterpreted that yeah. that New Year's event as them, like, just being together because... She has more fonder memories as they um, yeah. move on in life together, getting closer. That is, yeah, that's interesting, because I, I don't think until you said that just now, I knew exactly what that scene mm-hmm. meant. Um, just because in that scene, it's almost a flash forward, because she's saying, I picture our life together. They have a baby. It's all this stuff yeah. that like doesn't exist. And it it really kind of makes the ending pretty heartbreaking, because mm-hmm. it's like, whether he lives or dies, well, especially if he dies, but even if he lives, I don't, none of that shit's in the cards for them. Like Mm. their relationship is too toxic, too unhealthy to sustain any stuff like that. Like I don't think they'd ever have kids. They'd ever have really that much romance because and he's old too. It's not like he's (laughs) yeah. I mean, he's an old guy. He can't literally handle like the poison mushrooms all the time. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think he dies too, man. Like that's something, uh, I didn't really think about until like just super recently, but yeah. But is that, is that a cost of relationships or is that cost of being passionate about your work? I don't know. Like, is that an indictment on, because, uh, so this movie I, I said is, is very personal. It seems very personal to PTA cause I really feel like he views himself as a Reynolds Woodcock figure, yeah. which is so fascinating um, due to like, due to that ending. It's like, is, is it an, an indictment on his lifestyle on this? Like I I'm this creative genius man and I'm going <laughs> to use women and throw yeah. them to the side. It's, it's so interesting. Well, man. It's because it, it's like he doesn't, I don't know about use women. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but what, what harsh language? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what I 
would rather skew it towards or spin doctor it towards, depending on who, who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's an obsessive person. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's almost like a commentary on, like, what what do you sacrifice when you are true to yourself? Because in the beginning, at the very beginning, Reynolds even told her, it's like, I don't think I would get married I, because I would be deceitful. Because yeah. he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't want to change who he is, mm-hmm. and yet a t- a tenet that we teach everyone is like, oh yeah, be yourself. Mm-hmm. But this movie shows the true cost of being true mm-hmm. to oneself. Yeah, because he is, and it affects his relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, is it saying that maybe we should also take a step back, which is mean when he was sick mm-hmm. he has to take a step back from himself yeah and let someone drive which is another scene in the movie where he literally lets her drive after a uh a stressful situation mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah i think right. i think it's well because that's what i love about pt is that he's not like overtly political or saying ideology per se he's just saying that um he's exploring these ideas and saying that you know Maybe take a step back a little bit, but don't mm-hmm. completely get rid of who you are sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, he, he says from the get-go, um, like, yeah, like, you understand who he is pretty much from the from the start. It's just, and you can imagine that he's been with, like, dozens of different women who aren't Alma because they won't take it to that extreme <laughs> of... Uh, I, I don't know. It's like I wrote down thinking this was like profound or something like we, we can only love, we can only truly love when we're powerless. And it's like, at least for Woodcock, that's like how the, I feel like that's how he is. Like when, when he is weak, when he is being doted on, when he doesn't have any control or power, like that's when he loves her most because she just, she has, like everything on him, like she has everything over him. It's a bit of cynical. It's a little cynical. Isn't I, guess, it? Yeah. I guess it, I guess it is a little bit. Um, but the thing is, I don't know if that fully because, goes back to her. You well, because Alma has all the power in this situation when he's sick. Yeah. Like yeah. she's completely in control of the situation for now. sure. Yeah. Like she slams the door on uh Cyril keeps mm-hmm. everyone out, just takes complete control. That's of, right. Yeah. Well, and Reynolds. the thing is the, the, flip side of that for her is that she can only love when she's powerful. So it's like this, like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and that goes back to the push and pull thing of like how, when the relationship is at their lowest, it's when she is powerless and he is powerful and Mm -hmm. you know, the, that kind of dynamic. So I don't know. It's fascinating. (laughs) Well, in terms of that, Mm -hmm of power and being powerless. Where are the feet at? Oh man. Well, I think you probably picked up on, uh, where are them the feet scene. at? Yeah. I've wrote down in all caps feet kiss. <laughs> Cause that happens in this movie. It does. That's exactly. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very important one. transition scene, uh, where he's like finally feeling healthy again. It's like that scene where we just talked about, uh, right before he proposes, she's sleeping, 
And he sees those feet. He goes up and he's, he starts making out with those feet. He starts with Daniel D. Lewis making out with those feet. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's the only feet I can think of in the movie. Yeah, that's the only. That's well, right. he was cleaning some shoes at the beginning. That's not really anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that concludes that's, our that segment. That concludes, where's the feet? Well, actually, you know, actually, mm-hmm. actually. Well, actually. What? Um, actually, there's more feet. Um, this is intentional. Okay. Um, socks. Socks are actually pretty important to this uh, film, what I was picking up. <laughs> you're going to have to fucking unpack. You're going to have to, yeah. I'll, Walk me I'll, through this I'll one. I'll unpackage it for okay. you, yeah, Chief. Yeah, please just put it out, because lay it it's out in not, front of me. It's not silly. Okay. It's actually not silly. Reynolds puts on these pink-reddish socks. And it's very distinct because it's just, it's so jarring from the rest of his mm-hmm. fashion that he wears. Yeah. Even at the beginning, it shows him putting on those damn socks that go almost up to Super his high knees. Socks, yeah. And it's kind of like almost effeminate. Like it's almost like yeah. stockings. And they go just below his knees. And they're so, uh, they look like a, a color a girl would wear. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not very masculine. Yeah. And uh, whenever he is working, when he works on a dress, he actually picks up his pants, and you see like you see more of the more of the the uh, I'll just say pink socks mm-hmm. come up. And when he like takes uh, Henrietta Harding, the the countess, the the first one he dresses. The, yeah. Yeah. He like picks up his pants and you see the socks again. Okay. And so there's obvious there's a connection between like how it's like his vulnerability is like shown oh, by the so socks. This is Daniel Plainview's hat. This is Daniel Plainview's okay. hat. Okay. I picked um, this. Interesting, yeah, man. Yeah. You always pick up on this shit and yeah. I all this shit goes <laughs> over my head. Um, cause that, that's, that has like a pattern recognition yeah. component to it that I just don't catch, catch every time. Um, that's interesting, man. So yeah, so he's vulnerable around like the countess. He's vulnerable and... around anything that has to do with things that he is passionate about. Oh, he starts okay. showing his, his, uh, his lay, his lay, his, uh, socks. You, see, I wore red socks in honor of this uh, segment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But, um, <laughs> Just to your fucking sock, your yeah. foot sock segment. My foot six, <laughs> foot sock segment. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it because it's really because socks are something that you just don't uh, you don't really show off. Mm-hmm. You don't show off your socks. Yeah. They're usually hidden. I'm not even shoes. wearing socks right now. You're not so you're completely vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But what was key to this like theory per se? Okay. Oh, was this your theory? No, there's oh, other okay. theories. Oh, I have, well, I have, we need to dive into those. This is, uh, we're an hour in. Uh, oh, <laughs> well. Um, when Alma first um, drugs him with the tea, mm-hmm. with the mushrooms, and she tucks him into the bed, there's a close-up of his feet that she literally like covers up. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. and it's a very obvious... like Yeah, like, no socks, socks now. No, there's pink socks. It's like literally. Oh, okay. Pink socks. He still has the socks. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, "There's, oh, like, there's no, like, she's she is, um, she's being his power. Like, she sees his vulnerabilities, and now she's taking care of. Yeah, him. yeah. You know, 
it goes like full maternal. And yeah. Then, yeah, and if I were to be more tinfoil hatty, please, to take please it, be take it a step further. I would say maybe it's his mom's socks. Oh shit! You know, I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's that's headcanon for me. Um, now. Film theory, film, film theorist, hire me. Yeah. Adam's your boy, man. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna look at every character's mm. socks and in all the movies and he's gonna he's gonna crack he's gonna crack these movies wide <laughs> open for you. <laughs> that's pretty good, man. I like but that. But yeah, that that that's what I got from uh because it was just it it, it just pops because every yeah. all most of the colors in the in the movie are very muted and yet that one's very vibrant. And also yeah. when they go to uh the Alps for their honeymoon yeah, she's wearing red socks. She's wearing the red. She socks. is mm-hmm. interesting. That scene is so fucking beautiful. By the way, oh like, god, I, I want to go damn. there. There's a shot of him in uh, like the four four frame. That's not a thing, is foreground. it? Foreground, foreground, four frame. God damn foreground, it. and then the background is like the fucking Alps, and it's like this beautiful. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Scene. But no, that's that's good, man. Like you turned what is ostensibly a completely joke segment into like an actual. Fucking like, can you believe like that? You, can you believe that? That's insane. Only, that, only fucking you, goddamn it. Um, well, yeah, it's just funny that it coincidentally had no, to be the feet season. Yeah, yeah, it's a feet. That's the feet season. This is the maybe the season maybe of the PTA foot. was inspired by Tarantino's love of feet and decided to. I'm gonna make this like a real fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like, like I'm, I'm not. I'm not just gonna show fucking Uma Thurman's feet. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do some real shit. I'm gonna actually make some apt metaphors yeah. for this character. And <laughs> yeah, shit. Right. Um, yeah, dude. But do you, do you have some crazy theories uh, about the movie? I don't know about um, like crazy theories. Mm. But um, it, 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 it just goes back to what we were talking about before, really. The mm-hmm. whole time change thing. Yeah. And how, I mean, we've already picked this up on PTA films and that, you know, it's all about uh, changing times. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying about Henrietta Harding. Yeah. She, uh, she, was begin- she was like this beautiful, she's this beautiful, older, I think she's gorgeous as an older lady. Like she's very she's the She's the first yeah. lady who like gets the dress, dress and goes to the banquet and walks down mm-hmm. the stairs. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. She's Dude, very, that dress she, is incredible, yeah. man. Like, fuck. So she's yeah. a beautiful, like aristocratic woman yeah. who's on the older end. And she, you know, is greeted by Daniel and is, no, I mean, not Daniel, I mean Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. And, uh. You know, he looks at her and knows this woman, it should be wearing a woodcock dress. This mm-hmm. is the woman. It's yeah. the way that she acts, the way she carries herself. It's all, it's all amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, so let's, let's remember Henri- Henrietta. Yeah, yeah. And then we get to Barbara Rose. Oh, yeah. Barbara Rose is the... Uh, I love all the Barbara Rose stuff, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wanted to get to here, because I know Barbara Rose is such a funny uh, uh-huh. uh, area in the film. Yeah. Barbara Rose is like this, also, not aristocratic... Well, she's she's part of the one percenters. She's yeah. wealthy. She's wealthy, but she's yeah. not an aristocrat. Yeah. She is an American mm-hmm. who does who represents not the ideal woman. Yeah. According to Woodcock, she, I, you know how I kind of viewed her this this go around watching mm. it is almost like a Kardashian figure, yeah, like like, like s- almost somebody that's like famous for kind of like pseudo famous, yeah, 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 but very wealthy and wealthy, yeah. 
she's ugly, she's fat, she's old. You know, like a Kardashian. Bachelor, bachelorette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like, those are aspects that Reynolds would hate in a female. Yeah. You know, in a yeah. traditional sense, right? And even, even uh, Barbara Rose says, like, I'm ugly. I know you're trying to do your best. And like, he's trying, like there's that great scene where he's like rolling up this fabric over her face, almost as if he wanted to cover. Yeah. Yeah. Like to hide her, Yeah, to hide her face. Yeah. And then she puts it back down. And what's, uh, what it goes on. She married, she, she's marrying this Dominican guy and everyone Mm -hmm. thinks it's like a fake marriage just to, just for the Dominican guy to make more money. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, she says, she answers the guy like, "Why are you guys getting married?" Because he gives me sincerity. This person is, I guess, it was always not a sincere like woman in the uh-huh. in a traditional sense. So that's why I thought that that was so interesting because Reynolds wants a sincere woman to be into a woodcock dress, yeah. and then later on it keeps it goes to where. <clears throat> um they uh they're at the wedding yeah party, that's right that seems yeah yeah and they, she's shit face drunk yeah. she's an alcoholic like she's an alcoholic because she's drunk when she shows up she has no charm to her personality mm-hmm. yeah she, yeah she's drunk mm-hmm. she passes out and then alma is what does she do what? yeah she said she doesn't deserve to to be in that dress. And then that is one of the very first scenes of her showing her maternal side. Mm-hmm. I pictured because she's kind of taking she's the looking lead. She's a baby Reynolds. Exactly. And it's my boy. He's my boy. Exactly. And I want to make him happy and give him his, <laughs> exactly, give him his toy dude. back. Exactly. That's he, exactly what's happening. Because yeah. he's just a little too fussy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's when he uh. kisses Alma after retrieving the that's right the dress. It's always tied to very maternal moments. Yeah, every every scene of romance. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so going back to Henrietta Harding. Yeah, because prior to the because uh, after the marriage happens between Alma and Reynolds, there's the the countess or princess. I think is that what you're gonna bring up? Oh no, no. okay, I, I, never I forgot about her. Yeah, but we can. I mean, if you well, want. Uh, she might not apply to like your. I don't know what you're yeah. going to bring up your theory. Well, we could go back to her if, yeah. if you want. But um, after the marriage between Alma and Reynolds, mm-hmm. you know, it starts degrading again, and Reynolds, um, well, he talks to Cyril, his sister, and says, um, "You, uh, what happened to Henrietta Harding?" Where is she? Why haven't you told me, like, what happened? Why isn't she coming to get dresses for me? Yeah, yeah. She's like, well, she moved on to another house, like another fan, yeah. another designer. And she says, um, and then uh, Cyril says, well, she's looking for something more fashionable, more chic. And, like, what the fuck is chic? One of the best, like, pieces of yeah, dialogue, right? Yeah, so good, yeah. So. Fucking chic. It shows that, like, women are just, like, are starting to starting to liberalize and going with the times and going away from yeah. um, Reynolds' traditional dresses. They mm-hmm. want to be hip. Yeah. They want to be more, uh, have more agency to them. And that's really what it was all about, was mm-hmm. like how he, his, his control is slowly like dissipating. It's leaving him. Yeah, yeah it's leaving him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, th- I the think dresses, um, um, aid in that, like as their traditional, yeah, like, classical. Dress. Well, and I, yeah. I think he ties his relationships directly into his work, mm-hmm. so that that ties into his resentment towards Alma, um, in in viewing like like she cast a long shadow on this house, like Alma's effect on him. He thinks, well, I mean, or or is I guess because he believes it, and therefore it is true. Like her effect on him is destroying his um, creativity. Like it's destroying his, uh, you know, like belief that he is like a great designer. See, is Alma like just a sign of, is she a representation of just like the times changing? Mm. Kind of like how in Shasta Frey, call back to uh, Inherent Vice. Inherent Vice. Yeah, Yeah. I I think so, man. Yeah, I think that's... uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting because until you brought it up kind of now, like I, I didn't view this one uh, utilizing time as importantly as any of his other movies. But I think it, it is. Yeah, I had I, I had those right. glasses on because of his patterns that I've picked up on an, on the season. Yeah, yeah. Of, uh, he definitely loves to use. Uh, yeah, like important transitional periods in time mm-hmm. um, as like a background for for drama. Yeah. To, you know, again, like with the microcosm and macrocosm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it, I mean, he could have chosen any era, really. Yeah. But the era enhanced the story's um, themes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would have worked that same way setting it today. Yeah. It would have <laughs> been like, who gives a shit? Like no one makes these dresses. Like, no one <laughs> yeah, cares. exactly. Well, yeah, it definitely yeah. wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Yeah. You would have, Kardashian says, show my ass off, please. I just want my ass to look huge in this. I did a southern accent for Kardashian. For, for that's weird. It shows, yeah. it shows how much I keep up yeah. with, the, with Kardashians. the Kardashians. Well, you keep up enough, obviously, to know the title of their fucking hit reality <laughs> show. Because no, everyone won't shut the fuck up about yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's, well, that's true. Keep, speaking of reality shows, Christopher Nolan was in this film, huh? How is he? Dude, yes! And... I, <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that because I forgot to bring it up in shots. It's an incredible shot, by the way. I put Christopher Nolan doctor (laughs) dividing shot between Alma and Cyril. The scene when he is a divide between the two of them, when she wants to, Uh um, she wants to be the one to fix him, not fix him, but fix him, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And then Cyril just wants him to help. And he is there divided, uh, dividing them both up. Um, because yeah, they're they're against each other, and that whole scene is fucking every th- every fucking scene in this movie we can every talk about for fuck, thirty minutes. I know, goddamn it! Um, but, but yeah, <laughs> Christopher Nolan is in this movie. You're right. <laughs> I wrote down the Doctor keeps reminded me of Chris Nolan. Yeah, he's the antagonist per se. I think. Not, yeah, not in, in terms of Alma's antagonist, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's he yeah because he's always attempting to cure what keeps Alma and Reynolds together. Yes. So she is like. Go the go Bye. away, Chris Nolan. We're good. We're good. Interstellar was fine. So, is this a meta commentary on PTA thinks Christopher Nolan is destroying what he does? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. That ruined. I feel like a good point. <laughs> I think PTA thinks Christopher Nolan is destroying his art and maybe his marriage as well. What, you got any anywhere else you're going with this? Chief? No, that's kind of just like a surface level uh, evaluation of <laughs> film theorist has now. Re- they, they're pivoting your, to me. 
they, they, they set they set back your uh, your my resume, resume yeah. and just said sorry. We they saw we my Star Wars else. rant and they said no, this guy's insane. He thinks Russia's behind fucking everything because <laughs> we are. Uh, but that's um, true. no, uh, it to me that it already breaks down. It's because Chris Nolan loves film stock just as much as PTA does. So that's true. Yeah. I bet they're buddies. Some film film buds. I hope so. At least I think they are. Yeah. I want to talk about um, the boob measurement scenes. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, they're they're really good, and it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's a really great uh, through line from what I think is another fucking incredible scene, man. Like uh, after their date, when he's giving her her uh, she he you know he's trying a, a, a dress on her, and he's like uh, putting up sample colors and asking her what she thinks. Oh, man. Okay. I really, so, really want to dive into the scene now because this scene is like the whole movie, hmm. a microcosm of the whole movie. Um, and, you know, it's it's so romantic. They just had this great date. Uh, and then Cyril comes in. And I don't know if you noticed, but I noticed this time that the uh, sound mixing is a lot more harsh after she gets there. Yeah. Like everything uh-huh. is making a sound is kind of a harsh, like little annoyance. Uh, yeah, you automatically, even on a subconscious level, like you automatically just feel uncomfortable. For yeah. And yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's so good because, Vi- uh, Vicky Kreps is like her acting, her performance is amazing too, because it's so subtle and it's, mm. she goes from smiling and this kind of like, uh, you know, awkward, but so like enjoying smitten herself with, uh, smitten right to, yeah. to like being uncomfortable and um, who's because you can see her name? tits, you can see her tits. Yeah, and she oh. like immediately covers them up mm-hmm. when uh, when Cyril comes in, even yeah. though Cyril's a woman. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, and then Cyril is like getting into her space, and she's smelling, smelling her, her, and she's. Yeah. I love I love that it goes from something like ethereal and like indescribable to mathematical it yeah. like it becomes this very logical thing like mm-hmm. she's sitting here and she's writing like numbers down for like her measurements yeah. and then and then also uh um, sizing her up yeah. just sizing her up yeah and also uh woodcock in that that scene also um do you want me to say becomes a, a little harsher yes yeah, I, I wrote the quote because I, I, I know what you're gonna so say much. yeah yeah she because she said because he's like you have no breasts Yes, I'm I'm sorry. No, you're perfect. It's my job to give you some if I choose to. If I choose to. That line yeah, is dude. like shit, bro. It's you from that scene mm-hmm. what like when we first saw it I was like, "Oh, okay. Okay, so we're we're diving headfirst into like PTA's mm-hmm. like obsession with masculinity now." Mm-hmm. Like, ah oh, man, and that scene is so gen- like brilliantly directed too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then she says, uh, Cyril says, uh, you have the ideal shape. He mm-hmm. likes a little belly, little belly. What does yeah. that mean? That to me mm-hmm. means it's like, I think, a, cause it reminded me of uh, Pulp Fiction. Okay. Because oh, remember yeah. when, um, when a uh, little French girl, yeah, said, like, she's talking about I the would, apricot. I like a uh, pot belly. Yeah. I would want a pot belly. It's so I think attractive. it's so cute. Or whatever like, she yeah, says. whatever the fuck yeah. she says to Bruce Willis. <laughs> um, but when I start, started thinking about it, I guess like having a little belly is like a good representation of a female body. Mm-hmm. Because like to 
you're not overtly pregnant, but it shows a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you're showing a little bit, it's kind of like this endearing, like, oh, she's she's. She's, she's like an fertile. every girl. She's yeah, fertile. that too, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not every girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, like she's fertile, and that's okay, like yeah. what females are supposed to do. Yeah. And it's like she's not too pregnant, or else it would throw off the whole like ideal body. So a little belly. Yeah. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. Maybe I'm not. I but don't, um, I think yeah. it was just important. I, I thought that line was... That's why I'm talking about like how I think his I, I guess I viewed was it, very good. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just I like that's that. a little detail. Mm-hmm. This movie's all about little details. Absolutely, yeah. And that little detail kind of just shows like what he's into that female. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was looking through that that vision, like the female and male um, roles. It, it makes sense to me because yeah. that's the theme of the. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the what the whole movie's doing. I mean, I, I I didn't yeah, I didn't go that far. I mean, I just thought it was um it was just one more like button on that the awkwardness that she feels in that moment. Like okay. one more kind of like uh, like one more kind of uh well like let, fuck well, you let me, in let the me, moment. Let me like Yeah. What's the word? Uh, fuck, dunk it, dunk, dunk it, do slam dunk. Okay, literally. all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got one of my, I think probably my favorite quote in the whole movie. Okay, all written out verbatim. All right, this is from Alma. She says, "I never really liked myself. I thought my shoulders were too wide. My neck was skinny like a bird. I had no breast. I felt my hips were larger than needed." And my arms strong, but in his work, I've become perfect, and I feel just right. Maybe mm-hmm. that's how all women feel in his clothes. So she says, "I have no breast." That's she's like pointing out like her non-femininity. Yeah, I felt my hips were larger than needed. She's saying that like, like hips are for child rearing, right? So she <laughs> feels like she does. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. And my arms strong. I can't. I'm a female. I shouldn't have buff yeah, arms, right? Yeah. But in his work, like saying, like he's the one who's going to shape me into the ideal woman, mm-hmm. and that's what the whole. That's what his dresses do. Put yeah. girls into their ideal, ultimate god form. <laughs> you know, final stage shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like she's making. She's actively making herself perfect by just by being with him. Yeah. Yeah. And wearing his clothes that he molds to make her into the ideal. Yeah. The old lady. Yeah. Yeah. That scene is fucking great. Mm. Um, yeah. When like they show up at the restaurant and, uh, she's got like his first dress on and like, she looks gorgeous in it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, man. Um, well, I want to go ahead and skip over, that fucking dreaded sequence. Cause we're already going a little long and I want to, I want to <laughs> do, I want to do final thoughts and then I want to talk about this season a little bit, man. Cause we're, this is our final episode. Uh-huh. Um, I want to just kind of do a little wrap up on the season. Like what we think, if we think there is a winner, maybe, um, I know I have some thoughts on that. I think it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, what did, uh, what are your, like your final thoughts on uh, phantom thread? My final thoughts is that, I am the hungry boy, and I want more PTA. Oh, shit. I can't, I can't outdo that. That's good. 
<laughs> I want to keep eating what he's serving, I swear to God. <laughs> Even if it's poison mushrooms, sign me up, because yeah. this movie's great. It's a great movie. Um, man, I could just... I have so many more notes, and I wish we could talk more about I, it. I didn't, but, yeah, I didn't touch on all mine either. But. Um, it just goes to show that the, uh, the director is uh, really channel, channeling himself as an artist mm-hmm. and really knows, really puts himself like vulnerable. This is his, his the movie is his Red Sox, man. And uh, he's showing out <laughs> is, is his uh, Daniel, Daniel Plainview hat. Yeah. It is yeah. Daniel Plainview hat. He's showing like what he goes through as an artist and being obsessed with your work. And it, you know, it, it's so cool to actually see those consequences play out in a realistic sense because, you know, as a child, you tell your children, like, do your best, try your hardest, do what you want to do, do what you love, right? And no one ever tells you what are the true consequences of being blind in that sense. Like, you literally hurt people you love in the way, mm-hmm. and people end up hurting people who love you. Hurt you, you know? Yeah. So, um, this movie is just could be like most whenever I hear about gender roles, I don't like talking about it mm-hmm. because it gets such a it's so heated, you know, yeah. especially in, in, in these times. It's a very loaded topic, it's these very days, controversial, yeah. Mode, yeah. Mm. And like you, you can watch, and I hate movies that do things on the nose. Like either way, like even yeah, yeah, even like feminist movies or like you know toxic, toxic masculinity, whatever. Mm-hmm. This movie is amazing because it's able to explore. I don't know how many said how many times I said nuance on this season, but yeah. the nuance of uh, gender roles, and it's not um, something that is. Uh, it's not it's not catering to an ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but is true to itself. And that's what I that's what I love about it. And I think, you know, I wish I, I and I will definitely watch this movie many more times and I hope to find um I hope to find his little his little note that he puts in his little movies like how Reynolds puts uh yeah. you know, how he writes a little um <laughs> sewn in note in yeah. the dresses. I hope there's there's something in there that uh that's definitely could... a very personal touch yeah. I, I, I took. Right. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. That's that's great, man. Um uh, yeah, I mean you said fucking some some great stuff. But yeah, I mean I, I, I love this movie. It's it's a beautiful and yet kind of like kinky and like also it's kind of sexy dirty and time. a little bit mean. But like it, it is kind of like a beautiful uh, romantic movie as well. Like it's incredibly like beautifully shot, and obviously the performances and the music, like every component of this movie is is executed beautifully. Um, but I, I just find their relationship um, so fascinating as well. Um, and it like works I, for them. Exactly. It like that's mean kind it works of how everybody. That's how I kind of read. Uh, read the ending, you know, and it's like, it is a little tragic, especially with the assumption that like he (laughs) will slash has died 
uh, <laughs> doing it. But uh-huh. I mean, that's like we talked about, like the sadomasochistic uh, thing, you know. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's fascinating that that he explored that, and also, like I guess for more of a technical side. Um, I think, uh, to say it again, like the nuance, the, uh, uh, welcome to nuance podcast. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) just the, the direction and like the, um, like the drawn out nature of the scenes just to be able to let them breathe and utilizing, like actually utilizing body language to almost how we do in our communication, um, doing that in a movie is re- like is is so fucking modern. Even though the movie's set in the fifties, um, and I, I feel like that's that's why to me I think PTA is getting um, better and better. Like he's he's able to like dive into these very nuanced uh, moments between people, and he's able to like let those. Uh, affect you and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i mean it's it's uh it's beautiful man I, I love this movie it's great looks like we're in agreement with the movie but are we agreement with the season Uh-oh. let's talk about it let's let's just so uh, uh yeah man let's uh what what do you think like what okay so we've watched five movies of each director mm-hmm uh, we haven't talked about this prior to, to this no, moment we, at we all. We haven't planned it out. We, we haven't planned anything. Unscripted uh, workshop. We went into live. this workshopping it live here. We went into this saying we love both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Will we get a definite winner? Here, here's my take. So, do you just want to cold how do, how take wanna, or hot take? How do you want to? How do you want to do this? I think there's a winner. Do you think there's a winner? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I. I think there's a winner. And um, I already know what you're going to fucking say. Do you, it's you, pretty you predictable. Know. I guess. I mean, how could how could you not choose PTA? Yeah. Then of course, of course you're going to choose that Why one. choose Tarantino? No, I choose PTA. That would have uh, been a great M. Night <laughs> Shyamalan. That would have been a little uh, yeah, Shyamalan twist there. Yeah. Um, no, I, I do pick PTA, man. And it's like, I think I did have that. Um, opinion slightly going in, mm. but it was hard at least. It was very difficult. And I think what this, uh, this season has done for me is it's clarified, it's clarified that reasoning. Um, this goes back a lot to the Spielberg season in that I think it's, it's a very similar uh, argument that I'm going to make why he's a better director. I think he does utilize the medium so much better and you said something. Well, Kubrick. That's that's like that's. I don't know about Spielberg utilizing the medium better than Kubrick, but okay. Well, the medium being everything involved in it. So the cinematography, the music, uh, the manipulation that Spielberg has. Um, yeah, but he fails at the plot. Uh, Spielberg. I would choose PT over Spielberg any day, actually. I would too. Yeah. I mean, let's yeah, let's be real. Like, I would too. Like, I I think that. Um, so you're saying PTA is better than Kubrick? Yeah, absolutely. Whoa, we just lost. Well, few because. Listeners. Well, no, because PTA is. Okay, when you when you have to like compare <laughs> them with each other, that's hard, man. Uh-huh. Uh, I think PTA is better than because I'm trying than, to keep uh, your argument consistent. Like, I'm that's that's all I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I think he's better than Spielberg. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think he's better than Kubrick. Because if you're going to lean, I think I think the he's only a reason why I'm director. saying this 
is because like you're leaning on the Spielberg argument. So that's why I have to keep it like in line. Yeah, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I okay. I guess I I see where you're coming from mm-hmm. in the sense. Yeah, the, in the sense that uh, I think he fully utilizes the medium that he's in. He's he's able to see that like we're well past theater. We don't need to worry about um, blocking to that extent. We can just show people and like really just let the performances play out and just play on that nuance um, in a way that I don't think Tarantino does. And my second point is what you actually just brought up there in your conclusion is that the personal aspects that he ties into his movies are something that he, like he's exploring these very personal themes to him through projects like uh, Phantom Thread and even Boogie Nights going back to the beginning. And I think that that, that is what makes a like true artist is, is when they're like exploring themselves through their art on top of everything else, their technical skill, all that stuff. And that's something that Tarantino has, um, you know, he has, he has the technical skill. He's a great director. He's an incredible writer. I'd almost say he's a better writer than, uh, PTA. I would say that. I don't know. When you have to compare shit like that, there's think, so many I think aspects PTA to it. has gotten better as a writer, but Tarantino is a better writer. I think he is a I better writer. Definitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Actual. tying yourself into right. your art personally, that's something that we haven't seen from him. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear Tarantino talk, he feels very, I, I don't know, but he has personal, I, I don't want to start fucking no, he has, delineating. He has personal stuff. Yeah. Meaning it's, like, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs are, I mean, they're all yeah. infused with his with his personal life, you know? But it's almost more the pop culture that influenced him. I that mean, when kind you of get, personal. When you get towards, like, his later career, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, Pulp Fiction, I'm pretty sure he had a lot of experiences, like, in his personal life dealing with some... Like, I'm pretty sure someone, like, OD'd in, <laughs> in his life and he... Got inspired by that. That's extrapolating a lot, though. Mm -hmm. More than I think you have to for PTA. I mean, I don't think it is. Even Tarantino said, like he said, when his friends would watch his movies, they'd be like, "Oh man, why'd you, uh, why'd you do that? Like, why'd you show that part?" And he's like, Uh, "Well, I'm just being personal. Like, I'm showing. I'm just telling that. I'm telling you that Tarantino does. Like, I mean, you you can't be an artist without." You know, you know what I'm realizing now that we're Mm. talking about this, that I think maybe more of it comes down to, I like the sincerity of PTA and I, I like that. um, Well, I just don't know how Tarantino's not sincere. He's one of the most sincere people in Hollywood. You think he seems very cynical. He's true to himself. Yeah. I think that's sincerity at least. Sincere to himself, I guess. Okay. Not like sincere to like other people. I guess it depends on what you mean by sincerity. Yeah. I I guess I mean sincerity in um I don't know what I mean, I guess. Because Phantom Thread is not a sin- is not like a happy movie. Yeah. It's like, oh man, this is actually one of his darker movies. Phantom it definitely Thread, is. That's true. Know? Yeah. I mean he yeah, he's definitely doing some darker movies recently, for sure. He, he, I, I think I, I'm going to try to help you yeah. because in my, in my view, Brian did the Brian, if you're listening, you, you did the best comparison between the two. Mm-hmm. If I were to put, if I were to have to choose to 
Well, let's say you got all PTA movies in one grab bag. You have all Tarantino movies in one grab bag. I would go to Tarantino and I would pull out. Uh, that's the bag I'd do. Mm-hmm. Because the the vast majority of Tarantino movies are entertaining, fun, and good. Mm-hmm. Well, I would not take a chance with PTA in comparison to Tarantino because I don't want to get Magnolia. I don't I don't I don't want to get uh Punch Drunk Love. Okay. You know, I don't want to get um Hard Eight. I haven't seen it. Yeah. You know? But it's like, okay, I have a better chance. But it's it's like almost like I would love man, if I could get There Will Be Blood, thank God, and get Phantom Thread, thank God, you know. Okay. I think in a quantity sense, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like uh, they're all like Tarantino is kind of like all in this. There's, so there's 75%. a consistency. Yeah, consistency. It's a consistency. Okay. Yeah, and then PTA has like I think he's getting. I think he's going to overtake Tarantino eventually, though. Yeah. Because you're going to forget about all those other ones, and then it just seems like he's rising still. Okay. While Tarantino's kind of like I'm in this like. Um, I'm at this like threshold I can't well, get he's, past. Yeah, and you know like as I mean? a shout out to our first episode, mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs, it's like he arrived fully formed. Yeah. It's like he's been Tarantino from the fucking mm-hmm. get go, where like PTA is he's taken us on a journey, kind of. Yeah. You know what's funny is like you're it, it, that sounds like such an argument that I made in season one. Mm-hmm. It's like because you're talking about like take a grab bag of like a movie I'll enjoy out of like this and it sounds oh, like you're picking a Spielberg Kubrick. movie over oh, like a Kubrick a... movie. No, I, I if you put a gun in my head I would choose PTA. Okay. All right? Yeah. If you put a gun to your head you're gonna choose PTA. Easy. That's yeah, obvious. Yeah. But um And the thing is it well it's hard because it's like everything's black and white and fucking yeah. like one or the other these days. Like it's close. Like I fucking love Tarantino. Yeah. Fucking We're not love digging, We're not digging on It's him. not like an, it's not like an all or nothing. Yeah. So maybe this podcast is it's void. invalid. And void. <laughs> I mean, well, it has been shit. from the beginning. Let's yeah. be real. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just personally, I connect like, like it goes back to something we've talked about a lot this season too. Like, uh, PTA movies. I can just put on, and I can just fucking like watch them whenever for some reason. And like, I feel like, like everything is so like fully created. I feel like I'm in a fucking world when I'm watching a mm. PTA movie. And that, that goes back to him on a director. Like everything has to be hitting on all cylinders for people to feel that way, you know? And, uh, like Tarantino is like that to an effect too, but it's, it's he, he makes a fully formed, complete movie. That's a story movie that, you know, that's a movie. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I don't want to dig him too much as a director because yeah. he knows how to make absolutely a, a cinema a cinematic movie and that it's intentional that it's supposed to be a cinematic. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know always I mean? aware that it's a movie. Yes. Yeah. I guess maybe that's what that's maybe what I mean by sincerity. See, see well, do you think that it's harder to make something that brings you into the world? of the movie like you were saying and that's why you would think that uh, we're getting to it now yeah. okay because that's what i was just gonna say mm-hmm. yes i do mm-hmm. because that's what i mean by sincerity is that he is authenticity often yeah that's a better way to put it he's like <laughs> pulling you into this world and you're just living in it like every single one of his movies is like that you're just living in this world that mm-hmm. he's creating and See, I think Tarantino does that in a dialogue sense. Yeah. Well, in a narrative character sense, like... 
with yeah. Pulp Fiction, like that, those characters pull me in because of how they are, as opposed like Kill yeah. Bill, even like authentic dialogue, like yeah, that's what pulls me into that world, despite all the ridiculous other things. And and maybe you know maybe what, what I'm mean? talking about is that like uh, when I watch a Tarantino movie, there's always a separation between mm-hmm. me and the art. Hmm. me and like the entertainment me and the movie whereas a ter- with, with PTA it feels like there's nothing separating me from what yeah. I'm watching I just don't I, I'm disagreeing just because I this podcast would be boring if I was agreeing with you but <laughs> like I got all right well yeah just, fair like, enough you know fair enough. I don't want so uh just hear like dick like yeah jerking shit yeah it would, it'd that's be boring if we were just both jerking off and that's yeah. like podcast. <laughs> that's it bye like, no but uh yeah, I mean, do you have do you have any? I feel like I've talked a lot, but like uh, any other no, kind of closing like, thoughts in the season? Or it was goddamn, this is a good season. It's good. Shout all out good. to all all the, all the guys who, yeah, all the guests, all, man. All the guests. Uh, yeah, everybody. thanks for coming on. It was this is way better than um, last than, uh, uh, last season. being in hell. That's for I goddamn know. sure. But it, yeah. it's um, I think that I'm very glad that we got to do. Paul Thomas Anderson and Quinn Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a great matchup is a, is a yeah. very good matchup because we, we, because we just saw all the movies literally that we, that have inspired us. Yeah. I mean, Tarantino has inspired me. PTA has inspired me. And I mean, you as well. Likewise. And, yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just so good to, been able to uh dive in deeply with these yeah with their films you know absolutely man and i'm I'm glad we were able to go like chronologically because it's so mm. interesting to track yeah. their career like their uh <laughs> it's funny like we didn't uh, draw attention to it but i guess we did signature moves a little bit like we've kind of just been yeah talking about it throughout meta, it's like uh, meta tracking there yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. uh we just kind of do it now um uh-huh. but uh, yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, mm-hmm. and we're going to die soon and we're going to die soon. And, uh, <laughs> we're going to go back to, we're going to go to heaven this time. It's so then, funny though, yeah. but because I still, I mean, I know you, how you feel too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still pretty definitive on the Kubrick and Spielberg one, but I think we're pretty like on the same page with PTA I feel as though we're on the yeah, same yeah, I think so. Terrence, I think so you know? too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think we'll ever get as like gung ho. Well, that's what started this as podcast. Season one, yeah. That's yeah. Well, of, now yeah. now we're just like in like exploratory fucking yeah, uh, territory, territory now, yeah, yeah. and it's gonna be exciting, man. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about what we just might do next season. It's gonna be cool, and uh, yeah. So yeah, we're still working on what next season's gonna be. Should mm-hmm. be cool. Um, do you got any, you got any plugs as we're wrapping this up? Um, to, uh, to all my fangirls out there, stop setting me all your dudes cause it's a little annoying. I know my voice is super sexy, but it's like, it's like I can't handle easy, guys. I only I'm have a gig. <laughs> I don't only have a gig in my mailbox. Oh God. <laughs> Jesus. That took a very unexpected like route there. I didn't oh, expect that. Man. I'm a toxic masculinist. Oh, what yeah, can I yeah. say, dude? Fucking wood fucking Adam Woodcock over mm-hmm. here. Um <laughs> so I, I'll take that as a no, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, check <laughs> check out the other Sacred Fridge podcast. And also yeah. 
Check out my blogs on uh, my my trip to Japan. I hope you guys are enjoying those. Yeah, I know yeah. I'll have some more out. And there's a lot of pictures and a lot of fun commentary and videos mm-hmm. and whatnot. So yeah. I hope you read those. You know? Yeah, definitely, guys. Check, uh, check those out. Uh, some really cool, fun blogs from Adam's trip. Uh, all the articles, all the podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, probably by the time this comes out, maybe the 48-hour film yeah, the might 40 be done. Hour- well, 48 ounce sticker fridge will have finished it, but I don't know if it'll be on YouTube quite yet, but maybe soon. So yeah. that should be cool. Well, you should, um, I know that, um, hopefully it times up. That's like, keep thinking that if it times up, but yeah, if, if it does time up, <laughs> yeah. Um, go, ch- if you're in San Antonio, go, uh, Go see if you can find our film on the uh, big screen. I hope you, I hope you guys can oh, see it. I think it will, actually. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think when this drops, mm-hmm. a couple days from now, a few days from now, I think it will be premiering. Yeah. I might have that all off. No. Um, it would be the weekend, uh, whatever. Next weekend. Yeah. yeah, anyways, just follow the site. Follow us on Twitter. Um, and, uh, and yeah. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. It's been an awesome season, mm-hmm. and uh, you should be excited for what's coming next. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a showdown. Insert music. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, guys. See you. All right, bye. <laughs>